Good morning. Let's let's get started. How's everybody doing? Come on. Watch out in Psalms chapter number 33. You godly ones shout for joy because of the Lord. It is appropriate for the morally upright to offer him praise. Give thanks to the Lord with a harp. Sing to him the accompaniment of a 10-string instrument. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully as you shout out the praises to him, for the Lord decrees are just. Everything he does is fair. The Lord promotes equity and justice. The Lord's faithfulness extends throughout the earth. By the Lord's decree, the heavens were made, and by the mere word from his mouth, all the stars in the sky were created. He piles up the water of the sea. He puts the oceans in the storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all who live in the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came into existence. He issued the decree and it stood firm. The Lord frustrates the decisions of the nations. He nullifies the plans of the peoples. The Lord's decisions stand forever. His plans abide throughout the ages. How blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people whom he has chosen to be his special possession. The Lord watches from heaven, he sees all the people. And from the place where he lives, he looks carefully at all the earth's inhabitants. He is the one who forms every human heart and he takes note of all their actions. No king is delivered by his vast army, a warrior is not saved by his great might. A horse disappoints those who trust in it for victory. Despite its great strength, it cannot deliver. Look, the Lord takes notice of his loyal followers and those who wait for him to demonstrate his faithfulness by the saving of their lives from death and sustaining them during times of famine. We wait for the Lord. He's our deliverer and our shield. Our hearts rejoice in you, Lord. and We trust in your holy name. May we experience your faithfulness, O Lord, for we wait for you. Amen. spirit for a moment.
declare your goodness over our bodies. We declare your goodness over our families. We declare your goodness over our city. healing in the room declare his goodness and his lordship over your body oh you're good over cancer your lord over cancer you're good you're better than digestive tract issues your lord over all of those things stomach issues your lord over Crohn's. Oh, your Lord over migraine headaches. Migraine headaches bow at the name of Jesus. Oh, your Lord above it all. Over blood clots and blood issues. Your goodness over prodigals. 
prodigal spouses are coming home. trauma we declare your lordship over trauma Rest in peace in you. We find our rest in peace in the arms of our Father. We find our rest in peace in you. God of peace, who sent the Prince of Peace to give us the gift of peace, and then he didn't take it with him when he left, he said, my peace I give to you, I leave with you, but it's not the same peace the world has, it's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace that passes all understanding. When you're having a bad day, you still have the peace. You still find rest in the arms of your father.
searched all my life Searched all my life and come up short I searched all my life an attempt on this I, the Holy Spirit you know um, we're worshiping the Lord and he keeps saying to me Hadassah you know who Hadassah is Esther right and um, it's taking me a little bit to process because I'm like what um, what are you trying to say here uh, Hadassah I looked up her name um, which is Esther she, her name means um to be concealed or to hide an identity. And um, so I was, I was like, okay. And so we know that the story of Esther, especially as it starts to pick up in Esther chapter two, Hadassah was under the care of her um, uncle Mordecai, is that right? And uh, he was caring for her as a guardian. And um, the king had called for uh, all the beautiful maidens in the land to be brought forth. And it's, you know, whatever they need in the realm of cosmetics and things like that, it says in the scripture, give it to them, give them the beauty treatment. And then uh, we're going to, you know, bring them forth so they could be brought forth. And Esther is a Jew and her identity is being hidden uh, purposefully. And I do the best I can with this because um, today, you know, we start a new series called The Anointer of God's Temple. And he says, I'm, I'm going to introduce the dove. Uh, the dove is, is being introduced to our congregation. And 
Not that we don't have the dove, but it's such a delicacy and a consideration of the Holy Spirit in the uh, feminine aspect of the Godhead. And he, he says this to me, uh, the dove does. And you know, the dove, and I share with this Wednesday night when I came out of the church building and I met the Holy Spirit, he, you know, he was a big warrior. And so this dove is a warrior. It was the way he presented himself to me outside of the structure of the, uh, of the uh, congregation. And I was terrified of the dove. Uh, scared, terrified. And this is what he's, I think he's saying to me is like, um, I, for the most part, keep myself concealed. I've, I've been working, I work with my people to form the image of Christ in us. And we've, as a congregation, have come to an experience in the word of him saying, I've formed myself fully in you and my full Christ's nature in you. Paul said that he was laboring and in travail until Christ be formed. And like the Holy Spirit, like the feminine aspect has been laboring with his people to form Christ in us. But, and when Christ be fully formed in you, will the dove receive the recognition that he is due? Because his whole work has been to form Christ. You know, where Christ is lifted up, what? He will draw all men to himself. And so now he's lifted up Christ in us. He's done a work in us. You know, jokingly, you know, I, I said this week, as a, how do I put this? Um, if you want to see my wife's greatest work, you're looking at him. <laughs> Um, I'm her accomplishment in a way. I mean, in a massive way. Anything you see here is because of the beauty of the woman he's given me to help me is my help me and has assisted me and loved me and been there. Um, we've been together and we love each other, but she's been so good to me. But, you know, what if it would just became all about me and, you know, do you see what I mean? It's, uh, God's Holy Spirit comes alongside us and gives us everything we need. But will we notice the dove, the one who's been there all along, the one who's been the helper, the one who has kept himself concealed on purpose to work Christ into us, not wanting to promote himself because he's not promoting himself, but that we would promote him, that we would make him, that we would give honor to the Holy Spirit. And just like Esther, this is a, that it was the king's decision. Think about this, like Christ being formed in you, the king that is on your soul, that he is making a decision within you to give honor to the Holy Spirit. That he wants to bring honor and say, now bless her and clothe her and honor her. Um, honor this feminine attribute of the Godhead. Let's give honor to the Holy Spirit, the dove. Uh, when your identity is fully formed, you don't have a problem giving honor because there's no envy or jealousy. There's no arrogance. There's no need to be seen. And just like she who is not trying to be seen, Esther, her name also means the myrtles, which is interesting. Zachariah 
but in the midst of the myrtle trees. And as we go into this new six-part series, that we would be considerate of him. That a great consideration would come to us and not trying to project our own image because we've been given everything in Christ. Everything is yours. Listen, the reality is, is everything is already yours. So there's no more need to be seen in that sense because everything is yours. But see, God's Holy Spirit wants to magnify Christ in you. But to do this, it requires a, to lift him up and uh, to gaze upon him. It's like an attention and a focus towards him. Like I said, he scared me really bad, the Holy Spirit. You can't control him and you can't make him do anything. You, um, you can't impose your will on God. Uh, it's Holy Spirit. You can't manipulate. You can't control. So it's just a release, you know, just trust, you know. And then uh, I want to give you honor, Holy Spirit, today. I want to respect you and not, I want to honor you publicly and me and my people that you've given me, Lord, that we will honor the Holy Spirit. Um, that we would turn aside to see the God the God that may have appeared to you like he did to Moses in a, a little burning bush, the God who appeared to, uh, to Joshua as a man with a sword drawn, the God uh, who appeared to Jacob as a wrestler. We don't have to wrestle with our identity anymore. Our identity is Christ. Listen to me, hear me out. I don't need to check my love and see, you know, keep working this angle, seeing if someone's going, no, the Lord loves himself in you and he has fully invested himself for you. It's in that place that I can honor the Holy Spirit. I can honor him because I don't need anything else. I don't need anyone else. I've got you. And I can give honor to the Lord. The Lord is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. I magnify you, Holy Spirit. I lift up who you are, the beauty of the work you've done for us, great paraclete, great comforter, great Holy One, great Spirit of truth, I honor you. And I thank you. I thank you for all the work you've done in me. Maybe you thank the Lord for what he's done in you. Because Christ being fully formed in you is a great marvel, a great, great expression of the Holy Spirit. But that we would turn to him. Bless the name. Bless you, Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to use you or manipulate you or get something from you. I already have everything I need. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. If Christ be lifted up in me, I will draw men. There's a special, yes, there's just a specialness about you, Lord. 
I've been Mashiach, I've been anointed, I've been made anointed. But what about the anointer? Well, he's already anointed you with the oil of gladness above all your fellows. It's already done in the Lord. It's done now. It's finished. The, the life of God in you is complete. No more wrestling, no more trying, no more attempting. Just receive it, that message or receive the message of Christ fully formed in you. Not trying to go around and seeking for some other experience. No, Christ formed in me. And out of that place, I give honor to the Holy Spirit and I give honor to the Lord. It's better by revelation than situation. I don't have to go on long-term processes of sanctification when I have him now. And I, I magnify all the, the Lord's work in me. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I bless your name, Lord. And I want to look into your eyes and not be afraid. Holy Spirit of truth, pour break out in this place and have your way. Have your way with us and have your way with me have your way have your way i magnify you holy spirit the great spirit of truth bring honor to the lord honor to the holy spirit give honor to him give praise him and give honor to the third person of the godhead I give honor to you, Lord. I give praise to you, Lord. But praise him with me in this house. Praise the Lord. I magnify you, Holy Spirit. With all that's within me, I give you honor and praise that you are due. Honor and majesty, you are due. Oh, turn towards him and tell him, thank you for everything you've done. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful to you, Lord. Oh, I'm so, I'm so Oh, you've been so good to me all my days. Honor and honor and praise to you. When I magnify you, Lord. We're not broken, but we're not. Oh, the fullness of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're not broken anymore. All the healing is delivered. Everything is done for you. It's done. It's complete.
maybe this is different for you, but you know, you, you, that God would long for you to lavish your love on him. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, would enjoy that you lavish your love on him. You tell him how special he is to you. I learned to do this with my wife, you know, how special she is to me. I rub her face and tell her and kiss her on her cheeks and, and on her neck and tell her, you're so special to me, Kara. You're so wonderful to me, I love you. I'm gonna take care of you, I'm gonna cover you. See, God's Holy Spirit, I don't understand it, but he needs that for some reason from us. I don't understand, he needs you to tell him that you love him again. I'm a, I try to tell my wife as more as I think I have to tell, I'm telling you I love you like 18 times a day or whatever. It's, not, it's, never, it's like it's never enough. I need you to tell me again. Tell me again, rub my face again. Uh, tell me again, just tell me again. The Holy Spirit, he, he longs for this kind of affection to himself, but he will not demand it, he will not request it. He doesn't even make himself known like that. It's something we give to him. We give of ourselves because we've, oh man, we have everything. He's given everything to us. We give him back our whole self. Like why would God need a hug from humanity? I don't understand it. He wants to be wanted. He wants to be longed for. I know all you ladies in this house, you understand what I'm saying. You really get it. You understand this better than most of us men do. We want to be loved too, but it's just you understand what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit, like Esther, not making himself known like she did, not hiding and concealing his identity, but but that he would be brought forth and revealed. The Holy Spirit would be revealed. The Holy Ghost would be talked about. It wouldn't be just kind of some kind of word that we, we don't say Holy Ghost. We don't talk like that. No, we would magnify him. It's okay. It's okay to give honor and praise. No more envy and jealousy in the church. That's a manifestation of not realizing Christ being fully formed in you. Um, no more arrogance. No more... Um, no more like trying to make oneself known in a wrong kind of way. No more of that. No, no, because in Christ, in Christ, I can bless him. And I can just say, I bless you, Holy Spirit. I bless you, Holy Spirit. Just tell him, you know, like gentle, like, uh, um, it's like the fine tuning, like, um, my wife, she can pick up all my inflections. She picks up my tone. She picks up my eye movements. She picks up my touch. She can translate a message like just from like a, one movement of my shoulder. She'll know everything I'm thinking. You guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you know, and you ladies, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, we don't even, I wouldn't even have to say anything. My whole body language speaks a message. So, but what happens when the body language of you is communicating Christ to the Holy Spirit? And you're not just like hungry for power, what you can get out of him. You're not like looking for what you can gain out of the relationship. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where he comes to. 
is to the one who's not trying to game him for something anymore, but realizes he's done his work in you and you have everything you need for life and godliness now. Now. This is a present tense reality. This isn't one more silver bullet. This isn't one more thing I gotta get to get myself right before the Lord. No, this is full formation of the Lord in you. I know what my wife is kind of like, will you wait with me? Will you just sit with me in the silence? Will you just be there? It's like, has been such a good teacher of the Holy Ghost. Can you just be with me? Can you just be with me? You want nothing from me? You just want to be with me? And then she'll look back and say, oh, I feel loved, and I love you. And then it's this back and forth exchange of life. Oh, of life. This is the life. This is eternal life. theologians, they called it the spiration of God. He was spirating. Out of the affiliation of the Son, a complete sense of identity in the Son would bring the spiration of the Holy Ghost. It's like flames of fire igniting inside of us. Jerusalem until you're in dude. and more. Yes. Klesa Osherman. of God enter your soul. 
got you, I got you, I got you, I got you.
Charles, will you come stand up here for me and just face the congregation? Um, you know, if you, if you feel the need to have uh, Charles pray for you, I want you to come forward and let him pray over you. The Holy Spirit's all over him, and the Word says he's a point of contact for me. I want you to come forward and let him just lay hands on you. He's going to pray for you. feel led by the Holy Spirit in any way in this room, I want to give, grant you freedom to move. But if, if the Lord is highlighting someone else to you, I want you to move out in the Spirit and go and lay hands on. Just obey the Holy Spirit. If he's telling you to do something, I want you to listen to him. I want you to activate. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. But I want you to move on whatever he's putting on your heart right now. What The way he's so gently moving on you, I want you to just I want you to engage with him. Um, worry about what it, anybody else thinks. Just move in the Lord. You might need to give somebody a hug. You might need to uh, lay hands on. You might need to take two or three laps around this room. I don't know. You might have a word for somebody. I just want you to move in the Spirit and just obey him. And if, if it's like a notion, you feel your heart's beating, just, just move out. Trust him. Just move in the Lord. He's moving in this room right now, and we want to honor him by obeying him. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I obey, just move out, and let the gifts of God that he's placed in you just move in your life. Just don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't worry about what anything else going on. This is God's moving. Just let him have his way with you. Yes, Lord. So anyway, he's telling you just be yes, Lord, yes. 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 It's okay. Don't be afraid. Yes, Lord. Watch us. Watch us. Oh, sweetness. Oh, the sweetness. Oh, the sweetness. Oh. Yes, release the gifts of God. Just let the gifts flow. Let the gifts of the Spirit move in this place. Yes, Lord.
It's incredible how sweet the Lord is. Um, he's Yahweh, the creator of all things, and yet he's so gentle. Even in our brokenness, our weakness, even in our sin, he's so gentle. This morning, um, the Lord woke me, and he, he highlighted a Carol and Kara. And the Lord said, but he was highlighting me and my wife, Pam, as well. And he said very clearly to me, she, and he was now highlighting Carol and Kara. And he says, she is the first among equals to her husband, that he would become the fullness of me in this hour. And so I bless you, Carol. And I bless, I bless myself that I would, I bless you, Tom, and Jeff, and Steve, and you husbands, that you would love your wives more than you love yourselves, that you would glorify him, you glorify your wife because you give of yourselves completely, that not even your ministry, your calling, or anything else would become more valuable than your soulmate. And in that, you will glorify his name, and you will not resist the spirit, and he will fill you. <laughs> Amen. This is why the Lord is moving where we pray for families, for restoration in homes, for full covenant in the marriages, for broken relationships that have been wounded and hurt. We pray right now, Holy Spirit, you release anointing over families for unsaved loved ones. If you have unsaved situations where heartbreak and relationships where we just pray right now for full restoration in the family in the in in the home that our homes would be just crowned with glory and light and love and and righteousness and peace would be in our homes i pray this over your homes over your children and your children's children there's a transfer of blessing over our families there's transfer of blessing over you I pray that any guilt related to situations in families or hurts or broken relationships in the past, I pray for amending right now and restoration for you. Covenantal fidelity, the covenant will be upheld and be the most important thing in our life right now. We give ourselves to covenant, covenantal loyalty, covenantal faithfulness to the Lord. And if there's been broken covenant, if there's been hurt in the breaking of covenant, that you would be restored right now to covenant with him. That you don't have to beat yourself up. You would turn your heart right to him right now and just say, Lord, if it's not right, I turn my heart towards you for full covenantal fidelity. I want fidelity in my heart. I want full loyalty to you first. I turn my heart to you. And where there's been anything else that we would make it right as much as we can, that we would know that we are clean through the words that he spoke over us, that you would be declared clean today, that your families would be declared clean and holy before the Lord. And where it has appeared to some, and I don't know who I'm speaking to, there's no hope in this situation, 
that hope would be re-sparked, that you would be sparked with hope. And we've been married for 22 years and we've been down a road together in our marriage and, and it's not always easy, I can tell you, and I know many of you know that. So many times everything's coming at the covenant trying to snap it and break it. And some situations have been broken, but we can turn our heart towards him right now that he is covenantally faithful. That I look at you, Lord. I look at you as the author of covenant, the author of faithfulness. And when I've been unfaithful, you are faithful. And when I've missed it and I've done wrong, that you are faithful even more so. And I look at you living your life in me through my eyes right now with a brand new hope. Family is so important to the Lord. It's at the foundation of everything he's ever designed. I pray that you would be so close to your family. Lord, make us one in our families. Make us like, just love each other. And when you see your family and friends, as your eyes would light up because you see the expression of God's image in them and likeness. Say they're not saved, but you would look at them with this expectation that Christ would be formed in them. I pray today that the negative slant and the criticism has tried to take over our minds related to family members and things like that. It would come off of us and we would see who they are in the Lord. I pray that you would see people Saved or unsaved, I pray that you would see them like God sees them. And that you would see them with the eyes of God. That you would see them with the eyes of love. That even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that you would see them that way you would see them. And I tell you this like as an admonition. Do not put names on anybody that has a negative slant towards it. Do not do that. I mean, don't politicize another person. Do not, do not say that person is a conservative or a liberal. Don't do that to people. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation of who they are by the Spirit and call them, in, call them into existence. Don't politicize them. Don't socially separate them. James 2 tells us not to do that. Don't class distinct anybody. Do not do that. It will... It, it damages the people that are around you. Don't receive it yourself and don't do it. Don't take a self-construct and do not take a social construct onto yourself. Take this construct and this mind. Let this mind be in you, the mind of Christ. Take it as an admonition if you must, but take that as I purpose in my heart to view others the way that you see them, Lord. I purpose to call the life out in them and to speak into them who they really are and the substance of who they are and to call those things which are not. What? As though they are. I see them the way that they are through the, his perception. Their circumstance tells you another story. Maybe yours tells you another story, but I don't receive that. You're a new manning. <laughs> aren't you he's 55 years old but you're a new man Ning yeah you would like to testify to that okay come here testify 
Testify to the new Manning. His last name's Manning, if you don't know, but Jeff Manning. Here we are, Jeff Manning, the new man. Well, it's hard when you've had lots of encounters with the Lord through your life. It's hard, like, to talk about how amazing God is in the last month because people know you, you know? People know me as, like, this charismatic, prophetic guy. But I feel like I just got to know the Holy Spirit. Wow. In fact, when I was in the shower this morning, just minding my own business, getting ready, you know, I feel like the Lord's, like, I saw myself up here, like, this is your spot kind of thing. And the Lord spoke, and he said, you know, during worship, I'm going to review your whole last month with me out west. I said, really? Well, I didn't know that Carol would review it. I mean, what Carol shared is like the testimony of my last month. I have been saying strange words like, I feel like I got married to the Holy Spirit. No way. I said it to Tom on the way in here. So you can give a double witness on this? Yeah. We got a double witness. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's like you've known someone for a long time, but then you just finally get to really know them. And then as you really get to know them, then you realize, oh my, there's so much more. Like the 100% is now the 1%, but the 1% is so much. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's this, the the reality is that it's like, I got to say this in a way that doesn't sound too, (sighs) the Holy Spirit is our helpmate. Holy Spirit's our spouse, paraclete, helper, comforter, nurturing, tender-hearted. I mean, Holy Spirit is the creator of the universe, but Holy Spirit is like so just like nudges up against us. And he's like, don't quench me. Don't grieve me. I'm here for you. And this is where the theology can get weird, but it's like he, the Holy Spirit, he wifes us. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit comes alongside us and causes us to love Jesus, who is a man, as our husband, The Spirit knows how to show us how to be a bride because the Holy Spirit knows that, right? That is so humble for Holy Spirit to be like that. So I don't know how to explain the new man part except to say as as I travel, you know, I traveled through Boulder and then Zion National Park and then Los Angeles and then Portland. When I was in Portland, there was an open heaven that came. And from Portland to Seattle, where I've had the most struggle actually in Seattle over the years, it was like I began to realize Holy Spirit was marrying me. I'm like, what is happening to me? And it was as if in that process of of this divine marriage, Holy Spirit was reaching down into the earth, just like with Adam, and forming out of the clay the new man. And then I'm realizing over the next few days, I'm driving through Montana and um, into the Dakotas and then back, that it's me. 
this, this new reality is actually me. And it's almost like you get to see yourself through his eyes, but you don't, um, you care about yourself more than you ever have and you don't care. It's so, it's every, it's like, and then I'll end with this. The Lord has spoken to me that when I went back to Kansas City where I had moved my daughter, that I would receive a crown. And um, when I got back to Kansas City, because I circled around, you know, to end the trip before coming home, I had this, I had had this vision of my daughter twirling, who I had moved to Kansas City, twirling and then opening her arms to receive the Lord. When I got to IHOP, that was how my daughter was speaking to me. And you know, children are a crown. In the macro, IHOP, Mike Bickle saying, this is the most significant time we are now into in the whole life of his ministry because for the first time we are seeing the fulfillment of a promise that had been given so long ago get this, of a hundred million intercessors being raised up throughout the earth to long for Jesus' return to Jerusalem and for the Jewish people to come. This is actually something that seemed preposterous, but is now coming into view. It's not happening yet, but it's coming into view and so in the micro of my relationship with my daughter and her longing for her king, it's the maturing of the bride is what it is. As the bride matures, she opens her arms and there's a crown for those who long for his return, right? That's what the Bible says. And the globe is getting into a place where she will long. The bride really will come into this place. And Jesus is coming back. He is. He really is. Thanks. Thank you. Let's... All right. Good afternoon. My wife just wrote me, relax. And because uh, I, he's talking about wifing you and stuff, and I'm like, and, and I just start stiffening up, and um, Henry Todd, he, he's, he could tell, and I start to still, he's like, Carol, you're stiffening up. I was like, oh, thanks for telling me, because uh, some language like that, and I start like, oh, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, so y'all please bear, bear with me. Um, and I, I told this story Wednesday night, and I share this as a context for Holy Spirit. When Kara and I were, I was down flying aircraft down in Pensacola, Florida, it's like 4.30 in the morning, and I have an arresting dream. And in the, in the dream, and I, I said this Wednesday night, but I'm going to say it again because it's like an entry point for me to understand Holy Spirit and uh, to be able to relate to him. And I, please bear with me. But uh, I'm in a church, and in the church, they, I remember I was, it was like one of those little baby churches or white little churches that they have dotted all over the countryside. And I'm in the back, and I look down, I see this tongue and groove board, and it's, uh, it's probably yellow locust. It's like a 100-year-old. If you know, y'all know what yellow locust is? Anybody worked with yellow locust? Dad has. Yellow locust is a long-term wood type that you could put in before we had, like, uh, for instance, like if you were going to, what do you call it, Tom, when you, you make wood green? What is that called, Tom? 
what's it? Salt treated. Thank you. And so we, back in the day before salt treated lumber, you used yellow locust because it'll last a hundred years, right? Okay, you long term lasting. Thanks, guys. I'll just help here. But just, uh, but I was looking down. I saw yellow locust, and it, it wasn't weathered too bad. But I remember. Uh, if you've ever laid in flooring or done woodwork, over time it seasons, and in the seasoning of it, there's a, usually a shrink or an expansion, and it left a, you know, leaves a little crack. No matter how good the carpenter is, and no matter how f- much fitting that, goodness gracious, alive, and no, no matter how much fitting that they put into the work, you're still going to have some kind of seasoning. Let's say that. The cracks in the yellow locust tongue and board had two millimeters of space in between them. Now I was looking down at it and I noticed there was no dust in it. Now, you ladies know this and maybe the guys do, but if you've ever like had something that's really old and it's lasted a long time, it's gonna have dust down in the cracks. And I was like, this, this place is immaculately clean. And so I'm over there and I go to put like the lid down on this white box and there's a closing out, a closing out of uh, the church. We're um, closing the church. And um, for some reason, I'm a pastor, which I did not want to be <laughs> at all. I'm like, my dad did that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that pastor thing. That's weird. You know, people do pastor things. They just get beat up and crucified. And I'm not doing that. I watched too many things growing up. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be one of those guys. I watched my dad and mom go through so much stuff. And if you ever belonged to church for any long period of time, you've been through some stuff, hadn't you? <laughs> And so anyways, I'm looking out this window. I see this green grass meadow. It's a sort of a glass. It's a window sort of like that one or that one over there, but a bigger, you know, window, grass, and then a hedgerow of trees, beautiful green. And I'm looking out the window, and this guy comes out of the, my left, out of the peripheral of my vision, looking straight at the trees. He comes out. He's probably nine or 10 feet tall, and I'm just terrified. Uh, you know, not scared, terrified. And, he, uh, and I know that he's approaching the church and that I've got to go defend these people. And I didn't see the people in the room, but there were not a lot of people there, you know, maybe half a dozen, maybe a dozen people. I, I didn't see them, but I knew it was time for the church to close. And, um, and I didn't know why, but that church was immaculate. You know, it was clean, but it was time for there to be a change. And so I go out front, the guy comes around, his abdomen is like right here. So the top of his chest is probably like right there. And Drew said it uh, Wednesday night, he had a Dorito body. <laughs> it's like, boom, you know. I was like, that guy was ripped and uh, cut. And so I put my head down and I just started to give it all I got. I was like, I'm gonna hit this guy. I'm gonna do everything I got. I'm gonna put a stop to this. He's not coming in messing with my people. Don't you mess with my people. And so I, I wore myself out, wore myself, swam out. And, uh, not, you know, I'm thinking, okay, here comes the death blow. I'm going to get crowned right here. I'm going to get a different kind of crown. <laughs> He's going to knock me in my crown, and then I'm going to be dead because this guy, he was so big. I don't know if you've ever watched, like, we went down to Spartanburg one time when I was 17. There was this guy I worked for. His name was Putman. And Putman was a bully. And Putman probably weighed about 265 pounds. And Putman, we shoveled dirt uh, because we were digging ditches for the gas company uh, down in Spartanburg. And this is how I'm going to cut my teeth when I'm 17. Because, you know, if you're going to be a real man, you got to dig ditches, you know. I thought, 
digging ditch all day long. And Freddie Garrett was my foreman and he ran us. Everything you did, you had to run. And you could not take a water break unless it's like throw it back and get back to work. All day long running boring machines. I don't know if you've seen Vermeer like boring machines where they bore across the road. We did the handheld where you get in on it like this. All day long running boring guns and stuff. And Popman, that guy irritated the living daylights out of me. And he liked spam too. And that was weird. And potted meat. And I was like, why do you bring that? I don't have a lot of money, you know. I was like, okay, well, don't eat that. I mean, this is, no offense if you've eaten that. You might can make spam into something. I don't know, but it looked really gross. But Putman was a bully. And we'd get down in these ditches, and he'd come by and just like, bam, you know, like hit me on purpose. And I'm like, you know, you know like, leave me alone. And, um, and anyways, this um, ultimate fighting challenge thing happens down in Spartanburg. So we... We, all the guys, were like, Putman, you should do that. You would be amazing. Like, if we got Putman to fight, you know, maybe he'd get put in his place. You know, and uh, so it's a big thing. You know, they bring in all these guys, and they, they class them by size. And so, um, anyways, if you've never been to one of those kind of fights where it's just whatever. So, you know, they have the, the guy that came off the farm, fighting the guy who's a bodybuilder, it's the coolest thing. I mean, they're just like, I mean, the big guys, you know, I'm like, this is awesome. And so uh, we're waiting. Uh, so I remember in the fight, this one guy, he gets up there and he's got like long hair. He's sort of bouncing around like this and stuff like this. And this other guy, he's like, he might be an amateur boxer. And he's ripped. And the other guy's bouncing around like this. You know, like this. And the other guy's looking at him like this. I'm going to kill you, man. I'm going to kill you. And so, so that guy walks over to the little guy bouncing around like this. You know, he goes right to him like this. Goes up to him and goes, bam! Hits him right at the top of the head and knocks him out like that. And he was done. The little fellow was on the ground. I was like, whoa! You know, I love this. You know, let's do box. I love this. You know, so... We got Putman in there, and Putman's got a guy that's about his size, and it's like this. You know, because they're like really overweight. <laughs> oh, he got smashed on the floor, and we were just like, yeah, you know, just finally somebody dealt with old Putman the way he needs to be dealt with, because I couldn't do it. I was like a buck 94. Five, and I didn't think I could take him. You know, I wanted to. I just want to wring his neck. Anyways, what's that got to do with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I was just having fun talking about fighting. <laughs> no, as, uh, you had to illustration. You got to bring the illustration back, Carol. You know, bring it back to. So there's this big guy, right? And I'm like, he's going to do what that other guy did when he goes up. And he's like, like that, and then he's out, TKO. I mean, knocked him completely out of his orbit. Coolest thing I've ever seen. So I'm waiting, and I'm like, this guy's so big, he's gonna drive my body through the ground, I'm gonna be like, planted. <laughs> planted by streams <laughs> for good, <laughs> dead. And um, nothing happens, and so I, uh, dad has said, you know, look a man in the eyes when you talk to him my whole life, you know, you don't just like, look away and stuff like that because you got to square off with him. And I'm like, oh man, I got to look at this guy in the eye. So I ended up like rotating my vision up real slow. And, and I get up to his face, he's way up there, you know, maybe like 
almost like underneath the speaker. That's where his head is. Big old dude, like built, just chiseled everything. His eyes are looking at me, and they're like diamonds with fire in them. And you, I mean, you've never seen eyes like this. Like they're, they're glowing fire diamonds as, as an appearance, like Ezekiel said, as an appearance of an appearance. We don't have like a way to describe the way his eyes lit with fire like diamonds shining looks and he's uh, gazing uh, into my being. And I know that he knows me from pre-creation to post-creation. I know that he knows everything I've done. I know everything I've done <laughs> like by him. It's like an expression from him through me. He knows my whole life just flashes. I wish I could remember some of the things that happens later on. It's pretty cool though. And so he's looking down at me and he says, I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm beating up the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm just telling you what kind of a pastor you're dealing with here. <laughs> This guy terrifies the living daylights out of me. Um, he's not in the building. He wasn't in there. He was outside of it. He was in a. Di he, he was of another structure. He wasn't in that construct. He wasn't in that consciousness. He was out from it and the first thing that I'm experiencing is terror you know you're not pouring the Holy Spirit out not the one I met you know you're not he's not manifesting some kind of weird thing this guy filled with love like love and courage like of a capacity that is and it's you know if you see him, you will become like him because you'll see him as he is. And speaking of knowing the word there, John was saying that, he's, I beheld him. And of course, this is the third person of the Godhead. And I just want to launch off with this, that the one who is the, the anointer of God's temple today, vision number five of Zechariah chapter number four, this one who is the anointer of the church, the one who is an anointer of the temple is not in the temple that is made with man's hands. He's not going to dwell in our um, construct and what we can pull off. That's not what he's going to dwell in. And that there has been and had to become a point of, uh, in our humanity when we would finally receive that you are uh, clean through the words which I have spoken to you. That your temple, your church, the, your your Mishkan Hebrew, your Mishkan that's in you, the temple that's in you, has been declared clean by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord himself, that you have the fullness of who Christ is in you, dwelling in you richly. If you're, uh, if you're saved under the sound of my voice right now, you have Christ's life living in you, the full image of the Godhead bodily living in you now. And not just that, that the Lord in Zechariah 3 had cleansed the high priest and robed him 
robed him in, in robes of righteousness, pulled off of his filthy garments, placed on him the robes of righteousness, put a turban on his head, and put a stone in the middle of that turban, the seven eyes of God that are looking through him, and that you would have the fullness of the sevenfold spirit of God on you now. And that you, you would live your life as though you believe that message. And that you would uh, say, you know what? I believe it. Because if you'll believe it, you'll receive it. You have not because you, if you have, if you have him and you know that you have him, then you have whatever you ask of him, you will receive it because that's the way it works. It's, this is a receiving message with God. It's not like, well, and Jennifer Kennedy had asked me this Wednesday night. She said, what do you think about the word surrender? Do we surrender more? And I said, you know, I'm not like super anti-surrender, but I don't know that even in surrender, and I asked her, what do you think about the word you're saying? And she says, well, it does seem like to me that there's something left for me to do, something like I'm paraphrasing you. And I said, exactly. That's the trouble with surrender. It's still leaving the onus on me. I don't need to surrender more. Jesus already did at the cross. He's already accomplished for you everything. You get a hold of this message that I'm preaching to you, I'm getting a hold of him. I'm believing myself. Oh man, I'm believing you, Lord. I'm believing you. You're living inside of me. You've coming through my eyes right now. You're seeing me, uh, seeing them, seeing me, seeing you, seeing each other. We're completely fully tethered up, me and you, Lord. Oh man, you've got, you've had, oh, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> What does he act like? I don't know. What does he do? I don't know. What is this? Lord? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's he doing? I, what's he doing? What are you doing, Lord? <laughs> His name's not Jesus H. Christ. His name is Jesus from Nazareth, son of Joseph. He's not Jesus H. Christ. He has the fullness of divinity dwelling in him. If you can receive this, so do you. You are the partaker of the, finish it, divine nature. That the Lord would take your prosopon, your persona, that you have Michael Collins, your persona, yours, the one that he gave you when he created you, and it would link up with his full Christology, and you, you have all of him now. And they, you're not trying to surrender more, believe more. It's already done for you. Now all you have to do is say, I agree with that. And start living like you believe it. And be transformed. Transformed now. But what got me is, and uh, let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter one. So like, Carol, like give us a text, please. There we go. I'm not going to dwell in a temple made with man's hands. So your human ingenuity, your, your ability to form something and make something, something of yourself, the word is like saying, give all that to me, right? Because I don't dwell like that. So as clean as the temple can be for the Holy Spirit to come and empower the temple of God, for him to empower us and temple in us. And I'm not saying the word doesn't want the temple cleaned up. He does. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit that he has been doing with us, the full Christ man being formed in us. 
I need to make something clear because he's telling me right now, make this clear. And, and uh, Michael brought it up, I think, was that last week about Christ consciousness or is Christ in everybody? And I want to make this clear because what I'm preaching to you is not that. I'm not preaching to you universalism. I want to be clear about that. But I'm also not preaching uh, um, exceptionalism either. You know, I'm not preaching you about a frozen chosen elect like that. I'm not doing that in the sense of, of exceptionalism or universalism. Uh, preaching Christ, Christ, the one who is not sitting there just sort of like holding his hands like this, the Holy Spirit not to come in. Um, he's, he's not an imposer and he's not a manipulator. This God, what it takes is just simply like this, a confession. You are the Lord. You are the son. I agree with that. And I've watched people convert off that. And I've seen it. And maybe you have too. I haven't even seen, I've seen people convert not off Romans Road. That's fine if you convert off the Romans Road. It wasn't some kind of mechanism ever that I've seen someone convert, ever. It was never mechanistic. And I was trained in evangelism explosion. So I know the whole pitch and the, the whole setting up the pitch. And I get it. But I haven't seen a lot of people converted that way. I've mostly seen an agreement, a conviction of sin, an agreement, and boom, the, you know, the Lord comes down just like that. And that's probably what happened to many of you. It wasn't some kind of mechanical formula or anything like that. The Lord came in. You're, boom, you're changed. Forever changed. And so I, I want to make this clear because he's telling me, make it clear that I'm not talking about Christ consciousness like some people do that apply to universalistic principles saying that every single person is saved. I'm not saying that because you have to receive him. It's simple in reception. It's, it's not a hard thing because the Lord is not making this hard, trying to make it hard for us to know him. He's, he's not like that. And I, you know, I told a story, I think, Wednesday night, but I watched a Hindu Sikh convert on the back of an airplane with just a simple confession, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's 67 years old, and the dove came down on him, tears filled his eyes, and he said to me, he says, this is the one I've been longing for my whole life. What well, he just made a simple confession, Jesus is the only way to the Father. And he was very put out with me because I told him that. So I wasn't saying, oh, everybody has this. I was saying, no, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. So let's be clear about that because people who talk uh, Christ consciousness because there's a whole culture that does that, that's not even saved. That's not what's going on in this today. And I, I want to be very clear about that. But then at, at the other side, we're not up here teaching some kind of exceptionalism that you do all these things and somehow you'll be accepted. I'm not preaching that either. I refuse to. This older brother versus younger brother, and we don't get into that. This is the expression of the Father. So as many as will receive him, he will give them the right to be called the sons of God. As many as will receive him. Do you see the whole gospel, the presentation of the gospel here is letting him. That's wild because we're just like, no, I need to surrender more. I need to throw my hands up in the air more. This thing don't work. No, I need to let him. No imposition. Why? A king can't impose his will on his subjects and be a good king. Because we've seen enough of imposition of will when someone tries to make you do something or manipulates this God that we serve. He is not a manipulator.
And he's certainly not an imposer. Okay, Hebrews uh, chapter one. After God long ago in various portions and in various ways, let me do it a different way. Translation, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. God's prophetic voice that was coming through the, through the office of the prophets and through uh, even within the Pentateuch and the ones who had went on before us, he had spoken many different ways to his people. He was wanting to make himself known through prophetic expression. How many of you have, you know, been engaged in the prophetic and for some time or had, you know, worked in that field or understand what I'm talking about, the prophetic office and, and also be, being learning the prophetic and learning how to walk with a word like that. And you, you know that there's various different ways, um, metaphors and analogies that are used in a prophetic office, uh, illustrations, um, you know, some people have a lot a hard time with that because it's like it doesn't seem like it gets into concrete matter or that it's uh, mythological. But the prophetic office, a lot of times, is, is like that, and it's, it's it's speaking metaphorically or allegorically or you know, in odd and different ways. And in throughout the old covenant, we saw that God had raised up men like Ezekiel, who is trying to give a description to heaven. And he's saying things like, like I said earlier, he's like as an appearance of. In Ezekiel one, um, they're using they're using all these kind of similes, metaphor, narrative structures to try to communicate God because He's abstract and hard to communicate. And I, I want you to understand that because a lot of the uh, even the present day church that's operated in a prophetic office and put a lot of emphasis on that. And um, we've seen the prophetic come online and the apostolic come online in this generation, and then. And, and really like highlight the uh, fivefold ministry gives. But I want you to notice what Hebrews 1 says. It says, and in all these various different ways that God can speak, he says, the revelation uh, he gave them was for a fragment at a time. Because a lot of the prophetic, as you know, it's sort of like, like what I was saying, it's like a mosaic last week in the message. It's it's like a tapestry of different aspects to try to form by fragmented uh, ways a picture. Janie, she sews uh, quilts beautifully and has made a lot of different uh, tapestries and things. I think that's the right word, I don't know. But, but they have all the, this uh, beautiful language sitting in it. And you have to sit with Janie and ask her, you know, what does that mean? And this means it's, it's amazing what she's produced. And she said, oh, you know, tell me, Carol, this means this. And these are the seven churches. And she's made these beautiful tapestries. It takes an engagement with her to understand what's really set behind that tapestry. You have to get to know Janie. And she is a phenomenal person, by the way. We uh, got to live at uh, their home, the McManus's home for 17 months. is one of the greatest experiences. You're not going to just understand things without getting an time together and all these different components. And that was what was happening. And when God began to speak through the old covenant, he's, he's speaking and building one truth upon another to, to build a tapestry. But watch what the text says. And I love this and the word, but to us living in these last days or living in, uh, living in these, um, these end times or 
the, the period between Pentecost and the uh, great tabernacling that we've been talking about in these events that's coming here in the end time, the, the tabernacling of, of God in, in us, the union of God in us. He says this, listen, he says, um, all this prophetic experiences, all of this many different ways that I've spoke, all through the fragmentation of time and building upon one truth upon another. But in these last days, in these end times, God is now speaking to us openly. How? In the language of the Son. And we gotta see this. Um, Paul said this and I became pretty excited about this. And I shared with you last week, I would take, um, well, listen to last week's message. I believe it was on, I give some material for you to listen to with Dr. Michael Heiser and Matt Halstead on the mosaic of the Mashiach, of, which means the anointed one in the Old Testament of all the different fragments related to who he is and how he had hid him, hid him in the text. You know, just real quick, why did, when the son came, did the guy, people hardly recognize him and didn't know it was him? You know, they didn't know, even though they knew their Bibles, those Jews, they knew their Bibles better than, I mean, they had mostly memorized the, all the prophets, the, the Psalms and the, uh, the Pentateuch. They, they, knew the, they knew all the components of it. It was their life. And when the Lord comes on the scene, almost everybody didn't even know it was him. You know, you got to scratch your head. Why is the guy that's on the scene that's right there in front of them, that they're not uh, tying up the uh, picture themselves and saying, you know, that's the Lord, that's the Lord. Okay, he's come from Bethlehem. Okay, he's going, you know, okay, that matches, that matches. And if, if you were to sort of run a case for Christ, so to speak, like Lee Strobel did, you would go through the text, look at all the things, these things speak of him, and they all match. And so many people's eyes were not even open to the one who was right there in front of them, that Christ inside of Jesus had been fully formed. They didn't recognize him at all. And you know, the disciples began to, but he even says, uh, how do you know that, Peter? What, uh, who do people say that I am? Because the Lord had purposely, uh, the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the Old Testament writers had purposely hid a mosaic of who he was and fragmented who he was within the text. Why? Because it says in the text, if they would have knew that it was him, they would have not killed the king of glory. Because when they killed him, it was all she wrote, man. Because they killed an innocent man. And in that way, God had found through an innocent man, someone he could redeem humanity through. It's in the covenant of blood, in the covenant of the law. You, you take the... You take the life of an innocent man and they took the life of a man who was innocent. And in that way, he became a um, propitiation for our sins. He, he became the one who could take what he did and it meritoriously put it on us today. But, you know, something that, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, but something that really gets me is like, those guys he was growing up with, like if you look at season three, episode three, when he calls himself the law of Moses. I just spoiled it for you if you didn't see it. My apology, but I mean, they said, you know, we're gonna hold you accountable to the law of Moses. He says, I am the law of Moses. <laughs> oh, that was some gutsy thing to say. And Lazarus, his friend is there like, dude, you're not doing me any favors. You're not helping me out here. They're gonna like throw you over a cliff because you just, you're either like delusional or you are the law of Moses. 
He was saying, all the law and the prophets speak of me. And so when God is, when God is coming to us in this end times, Many of us been through large amounts of prophetic uh, encounters and things like that. And, and I want to suggest to you that all of that was leading up to, to Christ being fully formed in you. That everything that you've been through was for that purpose. Because Paul said it. He said, he said I'm in labor and in travail until Christ be formed in you. I mean, what was he doing? Why is he in travail? He said, I want to see the full Christ man formed in the people. I'm going to do whatever it takes by my own life as an apostle, whatever it takes so that you will have the full image restored inside of you. I want your image restored. I don't want you living under the bondage of sin anymore. I want to see you guys completely uh, changed. All your prophetic experiences, let me suggest, and all mine, because the Lord let me know this, at X2M127, today is X2M130. X2M means exit to millennium. That X2M127, I come out of that event, there's about 15 or so of you that shows up at that event, it's like really hard that day. It's the same day, I didn't know this because Austin's gonna call me about it, that the Lord tells me today is one of the most significant events that you've ever had, 127. And I said, I don't understand that. Austin writes me, Austin Harris, who's playing guitar up here, he writes me later that, that week or the next day or something. He says, do you know Mike Bickle said uh, there's one of the most significant events. It was the same exact Sunday. And I said, Lord, why? Why is it one of the most significant events? 127. He said, you remember that number? We were doing a Wednesday night meeting. He said, you, I just said it. Paul said 127 times in the new covenant, 127 times that you may be found in him. And the Lord told me, he said, I give you my full Mashiach. <laughs> and I said, that's why I'm feeling so good. <laughs> you know, it's like 127 fragments hid inside of the old covenant. If you could take that, I don't, you don't have to. That is sort of subjective. And I understand, but I took, I, I took it as that because he's telling, we're in Zechariah 3, and he's like, I'm taking off the old garment, and I'm putting on my full righteousness onto you. And I'm going to give this to all my people, a complete entire facet, 127 facets, which I found out someone told me, oh, Carol, that's a prime number. I was like, yeah, he's the prime. I mean, I, mean, I know there's more prime numbers than 127, but he is a prime number. And he says one of the most significant events. Why? Because in this last days, in the end times, do you know, do you know what's going to cause the restoration of all things? Do you know what the restoration of all things is that will bring Jesus back? Acts 3.21, Jesus is under a legal retainer until the restoration of all things. The restoration of all things, Christ be informed fully in you. Not just a quantitative number, but a quality of his full life in you. Oh, his full divinity in you. It's not enough for Jesus to do what he did. The Father wants an expanded family that has Christ fully in them. Not just putting arms and legs on people, but full union with Christ in you. If you can receive this, these 127 prophetic fragments, we're all leading up to namely one, the Son. And if Christ be lifted up, 
Christ be lifted up in you. I will draw all men. The great movement that's upon us, the great end time move of God, the great awakening, the awakening of the galactic progeny, as he put it to me, the sons and daughters born with it out of the heavens. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? 127 fragments, 127 aspects of allegorical prophetic instruction being installed into your very being. 127 ways that Paul is saying that I may be found in him. The fullness of God, the fullness of God in us. So he says, I'm speaking now openly. I'm speaking openly from him to you, openly in the language of the son. You understand? All the prophetic, all the prophetic of the old covenant, all the prophetic of your life that's led you up to this point was all meant to point to the son. <laughs> it's all, all, all meant to. The appointed heir of everything. The heir of you, the heir of the whole cosmos. But also you and I being called what? Joint. Heir with him. Joint heir with, with Christ. And so uh, everything is his and now everything belongs to him. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. And through you, God creates. Not everything, but the things he's called you to create. A beautiful panorama of expansion of his kingdom through you. Christ in you, the expression of Christ in you with your persona, creating through you, not all things, but the things he's called you to create with him and even bringing time uh, into existence. Uh, the sun is, I love this, uh, the sun is the dazzling radiance. Um, another text says he's the effulgence. He's the outshining when you see the sun, you see light breaking forth. He's the radiance of God's splendor. And we'll go more and more in this. We, we have some time with this. But I was saying to the Lord, I said, what is the difference between Zechariah 3 being fully formed in Christ and Zechariah 4? Uh, Zerubbabel and bringing forth the capstone. And so the focus in Zechariah 3 was to focus on Christ being fully formed in you. But in Zechariah 4, it's that the dove would light on you. That the dove would light on Christ in you. You know, I believe that the reason why the dove hasn't lit on the church primarily is because if he lit on a false Christ or an antichrist, well, that wouldn't be, I mean, he can't do that. If he lit on something other that didn't look like him, if the, if the dove came down and it didn't look like him, then every bit of light that comes out of that would transmit light that would be brokenness. And the Lord wouldn't want to transmit brokenness out of us. He would want to transmit full radiance and effulgence and goodness coming from us as he, as he does in the sun. See, the objective proof has changed. It's, the objective proof here is not any more prophetic experiences. The objective proof is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
God has set the object of his declaration of his goodness on his son. He hasn't made it to be, uh, well, um, I can do this and I can do that and we got this thing going and that thing going. No, he's saying Christ being formed fully in you is the objective proof of reality. That's the title deed hope for. It's him himself in you. That's the glory of the end of this age. That's the glory that's outside of the so-called structure of the temple structure of the church. That's where the Holy Spirit is. A temple not made with man's hands. The sun is the dazzling radiance. I couldn't find my, my black shirt this morning. I went to go put on my all black again this morning and uh, Kara had thrown it into the washing machine. I, I couldn't put my all black on, so I was like, well, I'm left with all white. <laughs> He's like, right, because where are you at today? I was like, the dazzling radiance. I mean, I'm dazzling up here. <laughs> I'm a dazzling radiance. I'm in a fulgence. God's coming through me. It feels so, he feels so good. <laughs> you wake up every day. I woke up with myself for 47 years. And I can tell you the truth. I can tell you this as a testimony. Oh, man. <laughs> I've never been so thrilled in all my life. I woke up in despair. I've spent most of my life in self-loathing. I've hated myself most of my life. I don't anymore. I really love myself. <laughs> I love exactly who he made me to be. I'm a pretty cool, awesome kind of person, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know that. I'm feeling good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> you know, our culture's told us it's not okay to be that way. Well, if, you know, I'll just give you one text. I mean, it says if, you, if a man, he loves his own self, if he loves his own self and feeds his own self, then he'll love his wife because he can't treat himself bad. But some of us, most of us have hated ourselves to some extent or a part of ourselves. And not all of you have been that way. Some of looking in the mirror is like, whoa, <laughs> you did a good job on me, Lord. <laughs> That's not the self I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about, man, when... The Lord tethers up inside of you and you realize that what he's created is exceptionally amazing and that you are exceptionally amazing, all of you. Uh, my daughter told me that last night. Lydia, we're on the way at her 17th birthday party. She says, you know, Daddy, I'm starting to see people the way he sees them. Because <sighs> she had experience with the Holy Spirit. Came down on her. My oldest daughter told me, she said, I thought I knew what you were talking about, Daddy, and I didn't until he came down on me. And she said, this love, this hesed, this love, this everlasting love is phenomenal. She said, I didn't know what you were saying, Daddy. Now I do. It's, it's like, you know, it's okay for you to like yourself. It's okay for you to love yourself because he does, and he's inside of you, and he's linked up with who you are, and you're amazing. <laughs> you're incredible. I looked at Tom last week. He was over here. He looked like he was glowing. His eyes are so bright blue. I mean, he has really nice, you have really nice eyes anyways, but I mean, it's just like glowing. I was like, that guy's glowing. 
Is the splendor and the radiance of God inside of you, Tom McManus? Thomas Edward Joseph McManus. Yeah, he's got a double middle name. And that's Peter the Lineker back there. He has no middle name, so we just call him the. <laughs> he is the Lineker. You know, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you have the Lineker in your midst. Because I said, we need a prophetic voice. He said, you have the Lineker. <laughs> I was like, is that his name? It's his middle name, the. <laughs> if he could receive that. I think he did. He's saying that you're the, he's saying the sun is the dazzling radiance. Oh, just so you know, sun is a gender neutral term. Y'all know that? Okay. It, it, because he's not just like, oh, I'm gonna do this for all the guys and not the ladies. I, I think y'all know that though, right? I mean, if he calls us a bride as a male and he calls us a son as a female, okay, everybody's good. <laughs> And one of them makes me feel like a little strange and stuff, being called a bride and being married to the Lord. Is, I don't know, man. I'm still working on that one, Jeff. He'll have to work on me. I'll be hitting him and stuff. But I'm not marrying you. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> It'll take some time. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, because it's, it's amazing. It's so courageous, uh, courageous for love. To courageous to give of himself and lay his life down, right? Give his life fully. The dazzling radiance of God's splendor, listen to this, the exact expression of God's uh, true nation, nature, excuse me, his character. So you, you could say that when you're in Christ that you have exactly the divine character inside of you and you're the direct image of the Father. The 127 aspects was that aspect is to put the exact character and the image inside of you, to install that image in you, to restore the image that was broken in the fall because of sin, a full 127 aspect Mashiach, Old Testament Messiah, or the anointed one onto your very nature to give you his full entire character. It's not a bad deal, is it? It's not a bad deal to have the full character of God inside of you. You do. <laughs> Anything other than that is a sin. Uh, scripture says it like this. Anything that's not faith is sin. So if you believe this message that's bore out in Scripture, then you're not sinning. Let me show you something. My wife brought this to me uh, this last week. We were taking a walk. She's... Romans chapter eight, verse nine. And if you can look at it in the TPT, the Passion Translation, I suggest it's really good, but listen to this. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh. Let's do this again. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh. You are not. Are you dominated by the flesh when the spirit of Christ empowers your life? Answer, no, thank you. So it says, and if, if you're not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. That's pretty like cut and dry, isn't it? But this was an unusual um, Greek clause. It can be translated, listen, hear me out. If anyone is not joined to the spirit of Christ, he cannot be himself or herself. 
some of you, I'm going to say it again because this is really, I want this thing to hit like home as it did when my wife was reading it to me. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh. So much so you can say that when you know that Christ is governing in you, you can't receive any other message that says, no, I'm being dominated by the flesh. No, you don't receive that message because you're not. As somebody says, you're, you're like this. You say, no, I'm not. I'm right before the Lord and I have a clear conscience before him. I don't agree with that. I, I don't buy into that because that is not the testimony I see here in scripture. If you have an issue where you need to repent, 1 John 1, 9, I wanna make this clear. Like if you get off the rails, just repent. Not like morbid introspection. That's not what I mean. Change your agreement and say, Lord, I put my trust back in you. I'm off track somehow. I've come off center. I've come off of you. I repent. And it says, and you are cleansed from all unrighteousness right there. So you're right back in right standing. You don't have to, you can live a life in Christ consistently manifesting his life in you without interruption. Don't take another report. Do not listen to another message. Now, Miss Kennedy, Jennifer Kennedy pointed this out Wednesday night also in the Bible study that any other message than that is anti-Christ. It isn't anti-Jesus. It's anti-Christ. What is anti-Christ? Anything that is telling you to do this out of your own strength and ability or just to throw your hands up in the air, that's anti-Christ. That's the spirit of anti-Christ. Why? Because anything that's telling you that, that you are not fully joined with the Lord when he empowers you and that you are being dominated by the flesh, anything that's telling you another message, don't receive it. And Paul said he would rather castrate himself. I mean, remember, he gets kind of into graphic language. He'd rather than to, he's so poignant on this that we would not listen to another message where that we are being justified according to our own ability or lack thereof, that we are not justified according to the law. He's like, yo, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? You went back to living like that out of your own strength and your own ability. Instead of vulnerability and dependence, you chose to do it out of your own strength. Stop doing that. Put yourself back into, I'm not building a temple made with man's hands. I'm not building this thing according to my own fashion or design. It's him living his life in me, Right? Because if you live like that, you will not be empowered by the flesh. And you are not empowered by the flesh living a life fully in the Son. If you're not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you're not of Him. What does it say again? If anyone is not joined to the Spirit of Christ, he cannot be himself. Anybody in here ever tried to be somebody else? How'd that go for you? It doesn't work. You can't be another version. God's not going to agree with another version of yourself than the one he created you to be. He's not going to take an alternative version. And um, someone told me this last week that they thought the Lord felt sorry for them. Like, because they kept trying to pick a false humility version of themselves. Like a fear-based version. The Lord doesn't feel sorry for you in that. I just want to tell you, because he's not like, oh, I'm going to pet your, uh, your it's self-righteousness either way you look at it. If you pick a false version, a social version of yourself and let other people decide who this self is and you play to that or you play to your own version of yourself, you're outside of Christ and you will gratify the deeds of the flesh. But that is not of you because you're in Christ. 
And so what, what I've had to experience personally is I'm not going to take another report and I'm going to stay in you. And if I get off track, I'm just going to repent, readjust myself, and I'm going to be back in Christ and I'm going to walk in him. It's a very, very daily living in, in him. It's a choice that you have to make. It's, it's a court, you know, your will, you have to say, mm-mm. And recognize by the wisdom of God, I'm not going into what I can't do and what I, what I should do or what I can do or what they think I should do or be or what I've been or what I think I should be or what I've been. No, I'll only take what Christ's life in me declares over me. I'm gonna take that message over my life. And I'm going to actually live my life like I believe that message. Because truly, and this is what I mean, and I, what I've discovered, you can't be yourself. And that is, a, that is a horrible taxing road to go down. The road where you're trying to be what someone else's self is trying to express to you to be and try to conform to their image of you or vice versa, trying to be some kind of self and promote yourself in a way that is inappropriate for your life. No, Christ's life in me. You know what happens? All of a sudden, you're not gratifying the deeds of the flesh. Covenantal loyalty is inside of you, and you're living the life of eternity. And it's good. (laughs) Really good. Let me testify. I am living the life. I can testify. Because I've been after this my whole life. I want truth. And then I'm like, well, how do I help? He said, tell them. And uh, last week, we had a, a prayed over you that you would receive the fullness of this um, over your lives now. I noticed mo- for most of us, we've been in, I've been personally in a lot of ignorance, not knowing, but in this hour, the Lord is speaking concerning this son. God has raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, beloved ones, he says, the flesh has no claims on us at all. No claim. I'm not receiving it. I don't receive a claim. I'm not taking another claim except Christ in me. Uh, Can we stand together on that? Let's just stand together. Maybe you could play that song that we were gonna play at intermission kind of low. Uh, my children, they, I wanna say this because this was so powerful this last week because um, Melinda told this Wednesday night that during last week's event of just going down the line and praying over everybody that Stephen, who's at a wedding today, his, he said, um, Mama, go get uh, Emma. And bring Emma in in here because I want her prayed over. And so she didn't know before I was going down the line praying for everybody that I declared from the Lord that you were clean through the word that's been spoken over you. And that number two, that you were going to receive the fullness of Christ into your life out of that event. And that we're we're making a marker point in this. And so um, we come down the line praying, Kara and I was praying for everybody. And, and she, she turns around, she says, Mimi, Mimi, Mimi. And she's crying, just tears are pouring out of her eyes. Emma's 11 years old. She says, I'm clean. She was in the foyer making um, bracelets with my daughter. She said, he tells me I'm clean. She didn't hear what was being said. And then she says something to the effect like this. 
Christ has been fully formed in me. She's 11 years old, and she testified. You know, some weeks before that, she was telling me, I want to clean my room, and my daddy wants my room clean, but I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I was like, I'm listening to Romans 7 and an 11-year-old. I want to do those things which I should, but I can't do them, and I keep messing up, and I want to make them right. Well, I believe that Emma, Emma Scroggs went into Romans 8 last week. This week, um, I met with Austin. He said, you got to hear about Enloe. Is it okay, Austin? Tell about what happened to Enlo. Enlo says to his daddy, says, um, Daddy, God's making himself more like God in me, something like that. Is that right? God, God made me more like God. <laughs> Five years old. Five years old, God made me more like God. My boy, on Wednesday night, I get home. Kara said, you gotta hear what Leander did. He's eight years old. He watches a YouTube video about Zion coming home and it has all these scripture references. He takes an hour, Kara said, he writes down every scripture reference and he goes and reads them over his mother. And he declares these scriptures. He said, mama, the next one's gonna be better than the last one. The next one's gonna be better than the last. And he keeps reading the scripture. She says, Carol, I was washed in the word by an eight-year-old. What's happening if the babies are testifying that God himself is making them more like God, if the babies are declaring that they are clean, if the babies are saying that Christ has been fully formed in me, this is a reality in our midst. They are testifying to the greatness of God in their childlike nature. And that means that what is happening here, what I am declaring to you is a fact and it is an objective reality because they're experiencing him. And not so much that it isn't true because of you as adults, but when a baby declares and another baby declares, we have three witnessing children that are witnessing to the fullness of Christ's image being formed in them. Then we're on the verge of a breakthrough. And we're on the verge of an awakening because when babies start declaring, I said, Lord, oh my gosh, if the babies say this, it has to be true. And I needed to hear it too because I'm like going on faith myself saying, really, Lord, can you give all this to your people right now? Yes. And a child shall lead them. And Emma turns around after she's crying and she says to Mimi, Mimi, can we dance? I want to dance. I pray for you today, right now, for the full release of this revelation, that it, this revelation will be actualized in your very being, that you will believe that this word that is being spoken from the Lord over your life, that you will receive this word from the Holy Spirit over your life now, and that you will believe this word and that this word would manifest himself in you, that the word would become flesh and dwell richly in you. Um, put your hands up like this. You just, listen, all we have to do is receive. If you believe this testimony, and I know many of you have already received this message, but it, it doesn't hurt to say today, right now, 
I receive everything that you have from me for life and God. I receive what you have done, Lord. I receive what you did at the cross for me. I receive this message, and I am not going to take another testimony in my life. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I receive all that you have, and all you've ever wanted was me. All that I've ever wanted, the Lord said to me, all I ever wanted was you. I wanted you lock, stock, and barrel. If you, if you could receive that message over your life uh, this afternoon, if you could receive the message that all he ever wanted was you, that you, you didn't have to like do something to get his approval or his attention, that he just wanted you like you are, lock, stock, and barrel. And he likes you. That he likes who he made you to be. That's what Emma said. He likes me for who I am. He likes who he created me to be. And therefore, you would be able to love who he's made you to be. And you would love who he is in you. That you would receive that message right now by the release of the Holy Spirit. There would be no hindrance. There would be nothing that would hinder the Christ life working his life in you. And that with these new eyes that are coming through you, the new eyes of faith, that in the new eyes, that you would begin to release this life that's inside of you to those who are around you. Because it's not just for me. To give this life to you from him or because of what he's done for me, but it's for you to go and release this life on others. They'll release the transformation glory that's dwelling in you richly. And I pray right now by the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would cause an effulgence to come out of us. I pray for the radiant, dazzling glory. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause a shining light to break forth in the church. In this hour, Holy Spirit, we ask you, Raise up a light on a, on a hill in a city that cannot be hid. I pray, Lord, over this congregation. Lord, release this Christ life out of us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be honored and lifted up and that we would not resist you anymore, myself included, Lord. That we would fully give you honor and praise. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you look for an ecstatic experience, an emotion, or an intellectual transformation, but I'm going to tell you, it's as simple as believe. Sometimes the Lord, he'll give you an experience by emotion, sometimes he won't. But you don't have to have an experience like that to trust the Lord's work in you right now. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. Bless you today. Come for me, he know when.
my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. And I must get ready now. I must get ready I must get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold Bridegroom, come. My lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night. 